0: Uh, evening, everybody. Sam Jarman here. Um, I'm here with my good friend, Grace and Hart, again. We've had a very nice weekend. We went to watch the England All Blacks game yesterday in the rain. So we had a couple of beers and watched some good rugby. Evening, Grace. How are you? Evening, Samuel. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here again uh, on another podcast with you, mate. I love your enthusiasm, mate. So we kind of had a... Um, we kind of had a couple of things kicking around over the week that we that we were going to talk about. We had a really good response from the leadership and culture on that we did last time. And as part of Grayson's day yesterday, he had to interview Anton Oliver, the former All Blacks hooker, and asked a couple of really good questions about how he saw the All Blacks culture develop over his time with the team and also um over the past few years so what we might do is come back and do another podcast on that um at another point in the future but it's it seems to be that most of the people that are listening to the to the podcast or a lot of the people that listen to the podcast seem to be either teachers or who are coaching uh young people so what I thought we'd do this afternoon is just have a little bit of a chat about that Grayson you work with a number of young people in 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 sort of different areas of of life in terms of talking to them about their mental health and well-being so um, what sort of challenges are you finding young people coming up with and maybe we can start off with that and then kind of move it into a sporting uh field as as the conversation moves on yes sammy
1: i think the biggest the biggest struggle i'm seeing with uh, the young people that i'm working with. they they seem to be feeling very weighed down by expectations of how to be in life, what the path to success looks like, um, where to focus their attention, um, you know, being told how they should be expressing themselves, um, a, a lot of expectations are sort of imposed upon them, and yeah, almost, almost being told to focus their attentions in places that perhaps aren't so natural to them, and 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 and, and often being they away from what some of their natural expressions are. Um, and, and to me, a lot of this is, is, is going on without these young people even realising it, just because the, the systems that they're in, this just seems like the norm, and they almost, they just seem to feel a bit stifled and weighed down. You know, a lot of, so, like these kids having so much homework, so much schoolwork, um, and, and and then they're told to if they're struggling to focus in class on perhaps a subject that they don't enjoy, uh, and then perhaps daydreaming or looking out the window, they're told that they're wrong or that they're, their behaviour is bad or poor, and 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 a lot of the kids, you know, they even go into sport. Which is something as a young kid we do well for anyone, it should be an expression of freedom and enjoyment yeah um, and and a lot of these youngsters they're going into these sporting environments and they're being told what to do again and how to do it, and that's all based upon outcomes, so I guess a lot of what I'm seeing is these young people getting pointed outside to um, results, outcomes, expectations, ways to be and behave. And and, and and what I'm seeing is they're not present. They're not in the moment. They're not content with who they are right now. They feel like they have to be better or something else. Yeah. Uh, and those I guess yeah, those are the biggest challenges I'm seeing to sort of put it in a nutshell.
0: The the focus and attention one is is huge for me because there seems to be a real misunderstanding around what focus or concentration you see it a lot with sport, don't you where, you know, you might have a coach standing on the, on the touchline shouting at focus or concentrate, or even players kind of calling each other out to focus or concentrate. And this, this misunderstanding that. So to me, what focus is, is, is a, is a directed awareness and we concentrate on something or we focus on something when we, beget, when we get absorbed in the moment, when we get absorbed or we, the, the separation we feel between our, ourselves and, and the object or what we're doing, that separation dissolves and we find ourselves focusing and we find ourselves concentrating and we find ourselves absorbed in what we're doing. It's not something that you can switch on and switch off consciously and and yet we're you know like you you know i think you used the example in a previous conversation where you've got a kid who's looking out of the the window at school in wonder and and drawn to the outside world and the wonders of what's going on out through the window and and the teacher shouting at him to you know get your attention back in the room concentrate on the board concentrate on me concentrate on what i'm on what i'm saying and the understanding to me is look look awareness isn't something that we can do it's it's not something that we do it's actually who we are so trying to take that and manipulate it and control it and direct it is it's just not it's just not how it works it's not how I see it it working in sport in school in education in any walk of life that we can turn this this focus on and off
1: yeah absolutely and the the more someone is told to do something, to focus their attention somewhere, or and that's not something that's natural to them, and, and they've been they've been told to do that, the the more they're gonna struggle. You know, like you said, if you're absorbed in what you're doing and you're you're free and you're enjoying it, then you'll be in the moment and present with what you're doing. Um, I mean, a, a simple example is in sports practice. Like take rugby, the sport I play, for example. Say a, a couple of balls get dropped in training and a coach blames that on lack of focus or concentration. And he starts telling his players... That's not good enough, switch on, focus, no more drop balls. You guys need to concentrate more. What happens more often than not is there's more drop balls. Yeah. Because guys try focus too hard, they, uh, they overcompensate, they, you know, they tense up, they're not free, they're not in the moment because they've been told to focus in this direction. Now now we know, uh, and I say we as in like all human beings, when you're performing at your best, you're free, you're enjoying what you're doing. You don't have a psychological tension, a grinding feeling. It's, it's a freedom to enjoy what you're doing and what you do becomes an expression of that freedom. So sadly, in our culture, and it's starting with young people, is we're being, they're being told to focus, 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 concentrate And what we're suggesting, and, and rather than just take our suggestion, but consider your own experience when you're grinding and trying so hard to concentrate and focus on something are you at your best or does it feel stressful intense, and tense and do you feel anxious yeah so true yeah so uh, yeah that that's a that's a really interesting one and it goes for the classroom for sports teams but sadly it comes back to this fundamental misunderstanding of where our experience comes from and, and who we really are and it's, it's our cultural conditioning to say this is what you have to achieve to be happy and successful. And so we're trying to tell the young people, do this, do this, do this.
0: Yeah, there's always an outcome in mind, isn't it? You, The idea that we should focus is always attached to a particular outcome, isn't it? Whereas that's not how just so please don't just take what we're saying here as, as as fact please look to your own experience whenever we've we've excelled at anything whenever we've been absorbed in anything whether it's at work whether it's in the classroom like you say whether it's on the sports field we've just become absorbed in what we're doing and we've fallen into it and all of a sudden we it's only when we snap out of it that we realize oh I was really concentrating there I was really focused there it's not something that was switched on deliberately it was just we just got absorbed in what we were doing and 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 before you know it you you know you've been there an hour and you've been I've noticed that when I've been you know absorbed in what I'm doing whether either practicing golf or you know playing around the golf you you almost you don't notice the time passing because you're so into what you're doing but it wasn't something that I I switched from you know from not being focused to being focused and the the paradox is when you notice that you're focusing your idea of you, you as a separate self has reasserted itself and you've dropped out of that concentration that focus that absorption in 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 what you're doing because the, the 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 two things can't exist as one you can't be absorbed in what you're doing and be aware of you as a separate entity while you're doing it like you say it's a cultural misunderstanding of the nature of our experience that what we are truly is the awareness of experience and we're not, we're not in control of that in any way, shape or form. It's just something that we drop into, we forget who we are and, and we've all had that experience. You know, every single one of us at some point during the day is, is your experience that you are aware of who you are and you are aware of your body 24 hours a day. No, that's not how it works. We 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 spend a lot of our time where we've lost ourselves We've lost our sense of who we are because we're absorbed in whatever it is we're doing. We've forgotten who we are so the idea that Sam is always around isn't true. The awareness is always around but I come and go the perception of Sam comes and goes the, the perception you have of Grayson comes and goes but awareness is something that, that's, the, that's the permanent, that's the thing that never stops.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the more you, the more we get caught up in the belief that what's fundamental or essential of our experience is this identity of a, of a human being, Sam or Grayson, for example, the more we take that very seriously and we take the constructs in our minds that say this is what this apparent entity needs to be happy, successful, okay. Mm. And you get caught up in that. You, your mind cluttered. And that's where we start to suffer and fall out of the present moment. And sadly take the, the, this conditioning that the world is suggesting is true. Um, and, and we take it to be true. And we start to measure ourselves on it. Whereas what you're saying is, if you reflect on who you really are, do you truly experience your identity 100% of the time? You don't. Because when you're in the moment, whether it's out running or listening to music or hanging out with a good friend or a partner or in beautiful nature, there's many times... If you truly reflect on your experience that the apparent identity that seems to be you has dissolved and that you're just purely experiencing that moment. So the more you can look in that direction, rather than this being like a philosophical concept, we start to see that who we really are needs nothing already free we're complete and we can express that into our activities yeah and that's where enjoyment creativity success really comes from and one of the interesting things that I've been considering Samuel and be interesting to hear your take on it is as as leaders so if you're a school teacher you're a leader if you're a coach you're a leader if you're a parent you're a leader you're a director of business. You're a leader. How many uh, theories or concepts do we project out onto our to, to the people around us that we've taken to be facts, but but are but on closer inspection, perhaps they're completely made up. So. I mean, I used one example before on a coach getting mad about the ball being dropped at training. You know, and I've seen many concepts within sport that would say, oh, if you drop the ball lots of times in training, that's a bad training. And if you train badly, you're going to perform badly. So people get up in their head around making errors in training. Now, is that a fact? Or is that a complete theory? Now, what I would suggest is I've played in teams that have had absolute horror training sessions or warm ups and have gone out and performed amazingly. Yeah. So, uh, what is what you're projecting true? Children in schools is the way of teaching and the curriculum that we're giving to these children. Is it the most helpful form of of education? And, and the way we're judging some of these kids and telling them that they're bad because they struggle with this form of education or the kids who perhaps misbehave because they struggle to put their attention into this education. And we say that, we're, we're pretty much saying to them that they're bad and, they, and that they're pretty, They're dumb. But are these facts? Because many young people who have struggled in these environments have gone on to be very, very successful or happy or uh, valuable members of society. It's so So true. let's consider now is what we're suggesting to a lot of these people true. And perhaps if we see that for ourselves we can, the, the, the way in which we are interacting with people can start to shift. I think you used a great example, uh, or someone told me a really cool example. They saw a video, there was a kid in school, he was struggling to um, sort of focus his energy and he had a whole lot of energy, tapping on the desks. And he kept getting in trouble and he kept getting kicked out of class and i would say, hey. Don't tap on the desk this lesson. And he couldn't help it, he would get so fidgety to tap on the desk. And then one teacher said, Put your sit your hands on a seat and sit on them. I don't want to see you tap on the desk. And the next thing, five minutes later, the kid's tapping on the desk and he gets kicked out. Goes into another teacher's lesson, starts tapping on the desk. The teacher pulls him aside, he says, Hey, I want to talk to you about the tapping on the desk. The kid starts to shy away and because he's told he's very really not very really, really, you know He's misbehaving and he said, "Oh no, no, you're not in trouble uh, i I want to take you to um the music uh room after this and 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 give you a go on the drums and this the the kid's eyes lit up, and he went and he went with a teacher after class and they went and played on the drum set. and this kid turned out to be like a phenomenal drummer, amazing. Um, And that's what his career turned out to be. And isn't that amazing? Two different places that you're coming from. One teacher says this is wrong, this is bad, because it's not what we think how it should be. It's a
0: great example. Another sees a child with pure potential ready to express that. It's Mm -hmm. so true. It's so true. And, and, you know, we see it all the time, don't we, where with, with coaches um, perhaps you're coaching a, a rugby team and you, you've done your session plan and you've got a particular outcome in mind of what you've got to achieve in that coaching session for it to be a success. And, you know, maybe the kids are, you know, they've got a lot of energy and they're maybe not paying attention to what you're saying or, you know, they're not doing the, the practice in the way that you had anticipated well is your expectation of what is a successful training session getting in the way of you connecting with those kids and allowing them to have an enjoyable experience and learning in the way that they want to learn you know and is that clouding your judgment as to how that training session should go in order for it to be successful. What's the goal of that training session? Is the goal of the training session for them to have done some particular skill or mastered some particular skill? Or is the goal of that training session for them to have a great time learning about rugby and then want to come back and do it next time because they've had such a great time with their mates? That, to me, is the, is the question we, we... You know, you know that's, a, that's the question that we should be asking, not... Is have I ticked the box as to whether they've developed a particular skill or not? Now, obviously, that's going to depend on the level of rugby that you're playing, and but I think even at the higher levels, if you've got guys that are, and you'll see this with your teams that you work with, if you've got guys enjoying their their rugby and, and and having the feeling, the freedom to express themselves then maybe that's a better way of uh, and going with that rather than stifling it and saying, oh, you know, you're messing about, you're not focusing, you're not paying attention. Maybe that's a better way to go than, as I say, being, a, you know, being rigid in terms of your expectations and what you wanted to get out of the session. You know, we keep, yeah. we keep tying everything in this world to, you know, the idea that in order to be successful, in order to be happy, life has to turn out in a particular way so we've always we've always got outcomes in mind and then what it what life becomes is a series of stepping stones to reach a particular outcome and you know while that might make you feel like you you know you've you've got some purpose in your life or whatever but if at any point that feels like that purpose isn't chiming with who you are as a person, then surely it's a time to take a step back and go, oh hang on, is this working? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And 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 like we referred to in the last podcast, Sam, there's no prescription. So we're we're pointing in a direction that we're we know people resonate with, because if you look directly within your own experience, you'll see that we're at our best when we're free and we express that. So we're not saying go and coach this way. We're saying explore, see for yourself what works for you and who you truly are and allow that realisation to express through your training and or, or through you know your coaching or leadership and just your life. And there will be times perhaps where you need to have a conversation with someone because maybe they are being disruptive. But you can do that in a way of uh, from a place of understanding rather than uh, having these concrete set-in-stone rules and ways of being for your team or environment or classroom. Uh, so as, as trusting your in intuition on when to uh, lay out a direction or a guideline um, and you know a, an example that sticks out for me is, is another one in my, my sporting uh, experience I, I was in a team and environment where from the top down from the coaches it was looked at as, as bad to make mistakes in training drop balls are bad and that's filtered down into the players, so the players would have a go at each other if the ball got dropped as well. And and, and what I noticed was, you know, guys were very rigid in training or nervous about making mistakes. And we went from that viewpoint to a new coach coming in. And I still remember to this day the coach said, "Ah." Uh, because he saw balls going down and guys getting really angry at each other and frustrated and dropping their head. And, you know, guys sort of uh, passing action started going, a, uh, you know, a bit uh, more, more tentative and, and, and things like that. And I remember the coach pulled the team together and he said, guys, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I want you guys to test your skills in training. And if you're testing yourself in training, it's inevitable there's, there's going to be some balls that go down. But I want to see you guys using training to test yourself, expand your skill set. So it's not a bad thing if the ball goes down. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny is with that viewpoint, less balls were going down. I was free to, you know, rip the, tear the past and put some power into it and, 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 and try and express. And, and it wasn't from a reckless place. It was from a place of just freedom to do what you feel right to do. Yeah. Um, so, so that to me is an example of a leadership of understanding and expressing that understanding through your training. Because to me it's a misunderstanding to say to your team, making mistakes is bad and training, don't do it.
0: Absolutely. You know, how, how else do you learn? I think I think you know, a lot of coaches now are seeing that that, that that is true and they are not as caught up on failure as they might have been in the past. But my question is this: are you doing that because you like you 've just said there, you truly understand that your well being has no how, how somebody trains or how your team does or whether you win or lose or whether a drill is completed successfully, are you truly coming from that place of understanding that that has no bearing on your well being or your value, or are you doing it because you 've heard that it 's okay to fail in training and say so what you 're pointing to is that coming from a place of being secure in your own well-being, not just employing that as a as a tactic because you've heard that it's it's okay to fail, it's okay to you know maybe not have 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 these rigid ideas. That's that to me is the is is the key to it because if you try and put it in as a technique or a strategy the insincerity in that will come across. Whereas if you're truly doing that from a place of, of, of understanding and from, you know, from knowing who you really are, knowing the, the, that your, your well-being isn't tied to that, then, then that will come across to the players. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Where a coach is coming from or a leader or a teacher or, you know, parent, can have so much influence on, people that they're leading like we spoke about that conditioning that we pick up these concepts these theories that we take and they seem to be true and then we start to act in accordance to them and and all that conditioning does is, is limits and stifles our potential our freedom uh, it, it veils what's always there which is our true self which the true self is happiness peace Love, beauty, connection uh, however you want to, you want to call it—and um, you know, we did a talk the other day. Sam and I was was with um, some leading coaches and, and people in the uh, like coaching world, and and I asked the question: How much emphasis? is put on coaches' understanding of where their well-being lies and how much training and how much uh, mentorship and uh, looking into the understanding is there with coaches. Because I said in, in my experience as a player, the most insecure people in the environment are often the coaches. Yeah, that's so true. And it's in, I'm not saying in a judgmental way, it's, it's an innocent thing and it's something that I've come to see as I've looked more in this direction uh, and, and, and understood it for myself. I've seen that sadly the leaders are so caught up believing that their well-being is dependent upon the outcomes of their team, that they they start acting in accordance with that and projecting that and influencing the members of their team from that place of misunderstanding and insecurity. And the best leaders I've seen, they show up with a consistency And an understanding and an empathy, and they project that out, which would suggest that they know that who they are, that their happiness, their well-being is not dependent upon their outcomes results. And and it's usually those ones that their teams are the most resilient, the most connected, the most free to express their potential, and they might have a bad result. But because the coach isn't shitting himself or kicking the bucket. That the, the team collectively sees solutions rather than anxiety and tension and the, the apparent need to make the next result go their way so that they're okay. Yeah. Because it's inevitable that there's going to be a, the times the result doesn't go your way. You know, it can come down to a bounce of a ball. Yeah. Or or a referee's decision. Yeah. You know? And the most resilient ones that bounce back, the ones that see solutions and how to perform better, are are the environments and the people and the teams and the leaders that understand well-being is not connected to an outcome or a result.
0: Yeah. You see, I've had a, a con- I've had conversations with with a number of coaches over the last few weeks, and a bit of a hot topic at the moment is the relationship between parents and coaches, and parents and young athletes. And you know, there's, there appears to be quite a lot of conflict between the the parents. And and the coaches sometimes, and again, that's born out of misunderstanding. It's it's very hard to see sometimes that a parent who is getting agitated on the sideline, or you know, watching his kid in a coaching session, it's it's hard to to see sometimes for the coach that that parent is is getting himself or herself in a state from a from a place of insecurity because often their behavior comes out as maybe aggression or you know negativity towards either the coach or other players or other parents or whatever and just for a coach to be able to see that that behavior comes from insecurity not from not from malice not from ignorance or 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 any any sort of premeditated idea that 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 you know they they want to create a certain situation with the coach or or for the players. It comes from the fact that the parent loves their kid and they they're caught up in the misunderstanding that in order for them to be happy, their kid needs to be happy. And in order for their kid to be happy, certain things have to go a certain way in terms of the game or in terms of the result or in terms of you know, how the kid's being treated by either the other players in the team or by the coach. And the moment we can start to see that we're all, to a greater or lesser extent, caught in this illusion that life has to be a certain way in order for us to be happy, which is the prevailing, the prevailing paradigm that we're living in, if a coach can see that that's where the parents coming from rather than feeling either hurt by the parents' comments or anger at the parents' comments, you know, you can just start to see them for for the human being that they are and realize that they're coming from a place of insecurity, not from a place of wanting to do harm. And from that place, you're much more likely to have a constructive conversation with that parent about what's going on rather than, creating more rules or trying to lay down guidelines or or trying to control behavior which we all know is pretty much impossible to do you can't control behavior on the level of behavior you have to look at what's going on underneath that to make somebody or 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 the reasons why somebody's behaving in a particular way yeah
1: definitely and it all always circles back completely to understanding and seeing for yourself where happiness and well-being truly is. And you can start by questioning these concepts that we take to be true. Does my happiness depend on my child enjoying themselves at sport or doing well? Is that a fact? Yeah. If if you feel free and happy and enjoy yourself, even if perhaps your child's not having the greatest of times. Some of the time, but not the other not the rest of the time, can it be a fact? It's not a fact. but but the innocent and the the illusion is that in those moments where we are caught up and then our mind thought will say oh it's because of this
0: yeah
1: you know and the example is oh my kids not enjoying himself," and then you project that and and you that that seems to be a reality and you, you project that into the world but reflect on it. Is is it a fact well yes it seems that way but is it true yeah and what we're suggesting is that if you start to explore within your own experience what you what you will see is things really do seem those that way a lot of the time but you can see that they're not true and you can realign with the fact that they're not true and navigate those situations with a lot more clarity and understanding. Same way you you mentioned the coach, who can have understanding that if a a parent is maybe a bit out of order, they're caught in the illusion. You understanding that will help you to address that or navigate that situation with clarity, rather than pointing the finger and blaming and saying you're not acceptable. And it may come in the form of saying, like, hey, this is out of line. But when it comes from your understanding of what's going on, it's not coming from the insecurity of wanting to try to fix things yeah. for your own good. Yeah. Um, and that's where conflict arises.
0: Yeah. And we can project things. You know, you've just said there we project our feelings onto our perception of the world as we see it. And I think, you know, there's a temptation for coaches to do that in that particular situation by actually saying, oh, you know, we want to create these rules to make it a good environment for the kids to 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 be in and so the kids aren't feeling this or the kids aren't feeling that. Well, again, ask yourself, is that true? Or are you are you doing it because you you have some insecurities around how you expect other people to behave during a game of during a game of rugby or during a game during a coaching session yeah you know kids are pretty resilient you know a lot of the time they they're going to be caught up in the game so they're not even noticing what's going on on the on the sideline so yeah in an ideal world every parent would be cheering and encouraging and being supportive to, to, to both teams that are playing. But because we're human beings, we get caught up. We get caught up. If we think our kids having a bad time, then, you know, as a parent, we feel that our happiness is tied somehow to the happiness of our child. So we want to step in and make things right. That's, that's how it, that's how it looks to us in that moment. And, that's what leads to to maybe us behaving in ways that we that we maybe shouldn't, or don't we'd look back afterwards and probably regret them. If, as I say, as a coach, if you're if you understand what's going on and if you're secure in that that understanding, you know, that's not going to bother you in the same way that if you feel like it's a challenge from a parent or you know, they're questioning your either your abilities as a coach or your, your motivation or your work ethic or whatever it is that they might be, that they might, they might appear that they're questioning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can have authority as a leader
1: from love and understanding. But a lot of the authority that I see people trying to uh, put out there is coming from insecurity. And and what we're saying is that insecurity is an innocent misunderstanding that you need things to go a certain way for you to be okay. And to see through that, you can lead with authority and and be a true leader from love and understanding. And the more you come from that understanding, the people around you buy into what you're doing, a genuine buy-in rather than one from fear. You look at Steve Hansen, Uh, like you said, I I did the the Q&A with uh, Anton Oliver, who's a former All-Black captain, yesterday. And I asked him, how how do you think that the All-Black culture or what has shifted in perhaps the last sort of decade, um, the time leading into the last two World Cups, because because it seems and there's a lot of talk around the All Blacks culture and, and how great it is and the, the sense of belonging they have and and how their performances have, have gone through the roof. And, and and Anton Oliver's career finished up sort of just before that period. And and I asked him about that and he said look like we really during my time as and when I was a young player in the All Blacks and, and throughout my career, we had a real culture of hierarchy, control, you know people knowing their place and not talking up, and all these kind of things,
0: and he said it was stifling for a lot of people, yeah, he particularly mentioned the young players, didn't he? He said, you know when he came into the team, he said, there's no way that a young player would have ever gone and." Even spoken to one of the senior members of the team or sat down to eat with them, or that blew me away when he mentioned that you know he said that was one of the big things that they realized they had to change because it led to feelings of separation within the squad and he mentioned the sub you'd probably explain this better than me, but the 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 rule change about substitutions in games he said that was when it really changed because they realized that they had to be a bigger a bigger group than just the fifteen players that started the game. Yeah. So, so they needed to bring the younger guys in and that's when they went to a much more flat structure with no hierarchy in it where everybody's voice could be heard yeah I mean you can see
1: now with the All Blacks and, and that a lot of them talk about it whether you've played no games and it's your debut or you've played 100 tests you all belong and that's something that they strongly point to mm. that comes from a deeper sense of belonging. That's just not a concept. Yeah. And, and I've been watching this um, uh, little series, it's called all or nothing. Oh, uh, and, and there's one on the all blacks uh, around the lion series in 2017. And it's, it's obviously interesting looking at getting this little insight into their environment. Um, and looking at from this perspective, like Steve Hansen, the head coach, has no problem giving direction to his players or saying, "Hey, that's not good enough, but at the same time, the amount of interaction he has on a on a level playing field with these guys you know he he has these conversations with these guys as, as though they're mates, yeah. And then, when it comes time to sort of lay down a bit of direction or or sort of, you know, he raises his voice, things like that. Guys aren't taking it personally, they understand. Yeah. It's it's coming from an authentic place. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I I really think that sense of belonging, you see it in the All Blacks tomorrow. You got guys on debut. are performing unbelievably as though they've been there all along
0: yeah
1: because they are they're pointed to know you belong here you are free to express and play how you play that's why you're here Mm -hmm. with your first test or 100 tests it's very powerful in that. that that freedom to just go out and play and, and, and I reflect and I look at, you know, perhaps other environments. And it seems to me that a lot of, like, new players take a fair few games to sort of find their feet at that level or to prove themselves, you know? Yeah. And perhaps they're coming in with the viewpoint that they have to prove themselves. Now, where are we coming from? Yeah. A sense of belonging. No, you you belong. Go and express yourself. Or oh, hey, you're new here. Prove yourself. Where does the best performance come from?
0: Yeah, you have and to earn I'll my this, to... this idea of earning your respe- earning respect. I mean, that's you know, that's made up. And it just comes back
1: to what we were chatting about at the start. Like, focus here. Do this. Behave this way. Yeah. Like that. We're saying to these young kids. And it's stifling. Same if you go into a, a sporting environment, behave this way, do this, you know, earn your keep. It's a lot to focus and put your attention on. And it takes, a gets in the way of that natural expression, that freedom to go out and do what you do naturally. Yeah. And what we're saying here is for a leader to understand that's where a person is at his best, and for you to understand that that's true for you as a leader, you can you can coach from that place. Yeah, I love that. And like Steve Hansen, when these guidelines need to be laid down from a place of love, connection and understanding. Yeah.
0: It comes back, mate, doesn't it? Rather than insecurity and control and hierarchy. You know, we keep coming back to the same point, which is lovely in a way, isn't it? apologies if you feel like we're just saying the same thing over and over again but there is a reason why we're saying the same thing over and over again is because it does all boil down to where the coach is coming from and and that's why we're so keen to try and help coaches really understand the nature of their experience and where they are coming from because it is genuinely the key to the, the key to coaching it's it's There's so much information out there, like we say, about the techniques and the strategies and how to do this and how to do that. But if you truly understand where your experience is coming from, if you truly know who you are, if you truly understand the people that you're coaching, it gives you so much more leeway because most of what you run in terms of technique and strategy will work players pick up on it and, and it doesn't just mean players it means everybody that you come into contact with as a coach whether it's parents whether it's other coaches whether it's other other members of staff in your organization just you showing up from a from a from a place of authenticity from a place of understanding that's 90% of the job as far as as far as I see if you get that right, the other 10% will just drop into place.
1: Yeah. And you can enjoy what you're doing. Absolutely. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you truly ask yourself why you're doing things, every human being just wants to enjoy what they're doing and feel peaceful and content and happy. Yeah. But the mind and this conditioning that we get caught up in says, no, it's out here. You've got to achieve this to be able. you got to get here, here, here. What we're saying is realize now who you are is enough and let that be expressed out through what you're doing and how you're being and how you're leading. And you're going to enjoy yourself. Um, at the end of the day, if you if you... Really, truly ask yourself, what is it? Why am I doing these things in life? The answer will always come back to us because I want to be happy and enjoy myself. I want to enjoy my life. And the true way to enjoy yourself and what you're doing is to understand right here and now that who you are is enough. Yeah. That happiness is within you always does your very source and understand that and allow that to be expressed out through what you're doing, how you're living, how you're leading, how you're engaging with others. And you will love what you're doing. The people around you will love what they're doing. You'll get mutual respect. Um, you'll get that buy in to, to the direction that you're going. And, and that there is enjoyment and that is performance.
0: Mate, I love that. I think that's a great place to leave it. So um, really appreciate your time, mate. It's been a, another really good conversation. So, yeah, if anybody listening to this has got any questions, please feel free to get in touch. You can um, – we've just um, relaunched our website, which is sportsprinciples.com, so you can get in touch with us via there. There's some articles and uh, a little bit more about what we do. Twitter's probably the easiest way to get in touch. So um, please give us a follow on Twitter. Just do a search for either Grace and Hart or Sam Jarman. And, um, yeah, if you've got any questions, please get in touch. Thanks, Grace. Speak soon, mate. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye.